Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. This is episode 173. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. If you have a question that you want to give me, you're welcome to do that as a possible topic for Life Over Coffee, and I would love to consider it. It's what I'm going to do here with this podcast. Someone wrote in and asked, how come I tweet things on my Twitter account about politics? Why do I say things about politics, basically, is what the individual was asking. And so I am going to give my perspective on that in this podcast, episode 173. The title of it is, Why Christians Should Engage in Politics. If you have a question about that, or if you want to talk to me about that, you're welcome to do that. You can go to our forums. We have free community forums. It's open to anybody in the world who has access to the internet. And you can ask your question, and that would be fantastic. But as I was saying earlier, if you have a subject or a topic that you want me to tackle, I would love to consider it. All you would have to do is write in and say, Rick, would you do a podcast on this idea? And then share your idea. And if it fits within the scope of what we do, part of that meaning that it applies to everyone, I would like to consider it as a podcast. So write in and just give me a short paragraph of what you're thinking about. And then maybe I can do a Life Over Coffee podcast for you, as I am doing for this person here Someone did ask why I tweet political messages on my Twitter account, and then they followed up by saying that politics stink. I thought that his question is worth exploring, and I do believe that every Christian should evaluate their role in politics, and so let me jump into it. But I want to give a a couple of statements in the beginning that I think would be of interest to you. As far as I am concerned, I have been a lifelong anti-news individual, meaning I have never been interested in the news. What has gone on in current events for almost 60 years of my life at this point, I have had virtually no interest in it up until the last few years. And so for more than 50 years of my life, I've had virtually zero interest in news. And so I do think it's interesting that the person is asking me what I think about politics. I have been historically one of the most politically disengaged individuals that you would ever meet. One of the illustrations that I share is that when the Oklahoma bombing happened in the mid-90s in Oklahoma City, some friends of mine were talking about that at my work. And they talked about it for a while. And I asked them, I said, what are you talking about, basically? And they said, the bombing in Oklahoma City. You didn't hear about it? I said, no. I said, when did it happen? They said, two weeks ago. Now, that's how engaged I have been with current events, politics, things of that nature. I have just had a zero interest in it. So for those of you who have a zero interest in those things... Well, I do understand, because that was my perspective as well. I'm not like that anymore. In fact, I'm going to make a case for you to be involved in politics. 
and I hope that you are, because I am involved in a way according to the time and capacity and a few things that I will present to you in a moment that I can be involved in, and I think that you should too. But I also, one of the concerns, well, there's two concerns that I have with Christians getting involved in social endeavors. One is passivity. They're not involved at all. And then the other one is the attitude in which they are involved. There are some people that I just don't listen to. One of those individuals is Rush Limbaugh. As an example, I'm not saying that he's a Christian. I don't, I don't know where he is as far as that is concerned. I do like a lot of things that he says, but I don't like his attitude in which he says them. It grains against my soul to listen to him talk because of the arrogance in which he talks. And then there are Christians, professing Christians, who do social, political, cultural type things, podcasts, and so forth, and the attitude in which they do them They come across as angry to me and condescending, and they treat the other side as though they treat them in very harsh and unkind ways, and from my perspective, it's it's inappropriate, and I don't care to listen to those types of podcasts where they're just condescending, and, and they're so critical. And they will even talk about how you know they're made in the image of God, but yet they don't treat them like image makers. And perhaps they would say that they are righteously angry, but it just doesn't come across that way with the way that they talk about other people. And so people, whether it's Rush Limbaugh or Christians who tweet or do podcasts or make other statements about their Political opponents, they do it with such a harsh and unkind, condescending attitude that it's hard to listen to. And so those are two caveats. One, I've never been engaged, or at least the first 50-something years of my life. And then two, the type of engagement that we have, well, it really needs to be Christian. And we need to make sure that we're communicating in such a way that that we are being charitable toward other image makers. I would go on to say that even when I disagreed with our former president, Barack Obama, I I was never critical about him as a human being. I would be critical about his policies that I disagreed with, but not him as a person because he is a, a fellow image bearer, rather whether he's a believer or not. And those things are important. But let me get to the heart of what the individual was asking here. And again, it's episode 173, Why Christians Should Engage in Politics. And a a follower on my Twitter account, which thank you very much for following me. And if you want to do that, my Twitter handle is rickthomasnet. It's branded the same as our website, and so you can find me, and you're more than welcome to follow me on Twitter, and I would appreciate that. But he asked, why do you uh, tweet politics? And then he said, politics stink. Well, the most obvious response to why I tweet political things on occasion is that the Bible does not forbid it. Quite simply, there is no scripture from Genesis to Revelation that would prohibit a believer from engaging in politics, engaging in economics, engaging in any other discipline or vocation like that. As far as the life, as far as living in this world, we are not 
told to disengage from those things. And so the most obvious response as to why I tweet political things is because I can. Now, we are talking about preferential here. We have just moved outside of Scripture in that sense because there is no explicit text that says we shouldn't do that. And so now we're talking about preferential things. And so each person has to determine at what level they want to engage politics, engaging or supposed non-engagement is not sinful necessarily. Now, I say supposed non-engagement because the truth is everybody engages politics one way or another. From the opinions that you share with those who are closest to you or, quite simply, by living in this world. I'll talk more about that in a moment, but you cannot live in this world without engaging politics, same as economics, and that's why I said earlier that the scriptures don't prohibit a believer from engaging in politics or economics or any other type of vocation because it's just part of the air that we believe. Now, whether or not politics stink is an opinion, and the truth is is that the smell of politics is irrelevant. Honestly, a lot of things stink, but the potential stickiness or the messiness of a idea or a thing like politics should not prohibit us regarding our person's engagement. Now, unfortunately, it does. The stickiness of things does prohibit or inhibit some folks from engaging, and in some situations that really is sad, and sometimes it is even wrong. See, some people will say that church stinks, and it's because they've had a bad experience with it more than likely. And we'll use that as an excuse not to be part of a local gathering, not to try to find a gathering that they can be part of, a local assembly, because they will say, well, church stinks, stinks as they talk about their bad experience. Now, other, other people will say similar things about the messiness of a person's life. And I've heard that perspective, too. In fact, I've heard that as much as anything because that's how I have spent virtually my entire adult life is getting into the messiness of people's lives. And I choose to get into the stinkiness of it because I want to help people. I want to make a difference in whatever ways that I can make a difference. But some people will see the messiness of people's lives and and they will say that, well, I, I just don't want to get involved in that. And so they take a passive role. And so I think this idea of passivity is more systemic than many of us may recognize. There are many stinking things in our fallen world. My question is, <laughs> what would you expect out of a fallen world? And so I, I don't really think of it from that perspective. I don't like where politics is at this point. I don't like some of the, a lot of the things that I see going on in it. But because of that, I just don't choose to take a passive role as far as my responsibility as a Christ-like person in God's world. And again, that's the same world. My world, excuse me, my worldview is consistent. I think that way also about discipleship. 
I also think that way about local church. <clears throat> I have been part of bad local church situations, and I have counseled scores and scores of people who have been part of bad local church situations, but I have never, I, I don't recall ever counseling anyone, including myself, to take a passive role when it comes to being part of a local church. Now, the challenges of a situation should be part of your decision-making process. Yeah, it stinks. It smells bad. There's a challenge before you. That should be part of how you decide, how you go about thinking about involving yourself in whatever the thing that we're talking about. In this case, we're talking about politics. But the difficulty alone should not be the only data point when it comes to thinking about engagement. The best question for you to answer is how are you going to be salt and light in our fallen world as you spread the fame of God near and far? That's our real calling. We're not to hide our, our light under a bushel. We are to be salt in our world we are to spread the fame of God wherever we can. Now, everybody has a sphere of influence. And there is no question, I don't think that any Christian would question the fact that God calls us to share the message of Christ to everyone. Of course, we're talking about the Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel when we are talking about sharing the message of Christ to everyone. But there are some Christians who believe their responsibility for sharing the message of Christ is for evangelistic purposes only. And a few of those have a very tight definition of how they do that, which means basically sharing a Bible track with a stranger exclusively. And that is their role, to share the message of Christ. Now, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to pass out Bible tracts or to passively leave them like a trail of breadcrumbs wherever you may be. But living the Christian life is more than that. It's broader than that. You are not sharing the message of Christ 24-7. You're not passing out Bible tracts every second of your day. You have other responsibilities. You are in other contexts. You are engaging in other ways. And so the question that you have to answer is, how can I be salt and light in those other spaces, those other places when I am not just doing evangelistic things? Evangelism is not the only thing that we should be doing. Now, other Christians believe that religion and politics should never mix, and that is their perspective. And personally, I think that is a ludicrous position because you should never attempt to segregate your ontology, who you are, your state of being, who you are at your core. You should never segregate or separ separate your ontology from what you do and where you do it. It would be like asking Christ to stop being Christ when it came to political endeavors. If you step into a political moment, a political conversation, if you have an opportunity to engage in some kind of political way, you should never separate who you are as a being, a transformed child of God, born from above, regenerated, 
and you put that aside and then engage in whatever the political endeavor is. It, it is ludicrous. You cannot separate religion and politics. And when you step into a political moment or political context, you are a believer who is doing that. And so every Christian should strive to be Christ-like, no matter where they are or what they are doing. You do not separate religion, your Christianity. In fact, it is impossible. That's why I say it's ludicrous. It is impossible to do that because you can't be anything other than what you are. And if you have truly been born from above, then you're going to be born from above in every context, in every sphere in which you find yourselves. And you cannot separate yourself from political endeavors because it is a part of, of what it means to live in this world. And so every Christian should strive to be Christ-like no matter where they are, what they are doing. Part of the reason our country is the way it is today is that many Christians are passive when it comes to cultural engagement. And as I said, it's impossible to separate yourself from politics because it's the air that we breathe. Economics is similar. I suppose a believer could say that we should separate religion from economics, but that attitude is just as ludicrous as separating from politics. Politics is all around you. You submit to civil authorities. We hear political messages everywhere we go. We have opinions on political ideas. We're pro-life when it comes to the personhood of a human at conception. We pay taxes for everything. We watch football players kneel during our national anthem. There is no way that you can separate your Christianity from politics. It is physically, virtually impossible, literally impossible to do that. It doesn't matter where you go. Politics will be with us Always. The decision that you have to make is whether you're going to insert yourself, insert your Christian worldview into the conversation according to your ability, according to your time, according to your calling, and according to your influence that the Lord has given you. Those are really the four things that you have to consider. Your ability, your time, ability, I mean your intelligence, expertise, capacity, your time, your calling, what is God asking you to do, and your influence. Stewarding your influence in God's world is important. And so with those four things in mind, let me ask you four questions about ability, time, calling, influence. How could you, this is ability, how could you use your gifting to make life easier for others from a political perspective? How could you use politics to make life easier for others? Let me give you three illustrations. Life in the womb. Are you passive about that? You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't mix religion with politics. Well, maybe you should consider how you could use whatever ability that you have to be political when it comes to life in the womb, protecting those who cannot protect themselves. Uh, 
What about the elderly? You know, politics has a huge influence, not just on the life in the womb, but the elderly. What about freedom of religion? My question is, how can you use your gifting to make life easier on others? The life in the womb, the elderly, freedom of religion. I think it would be wise. In fact, I know it would be wise that if you have whatever ability that you have, that you exert some of that in the area of politics, using your gifting to make life easier on others. In the area of time, how much time do you want to allocate to political endeavors? You can vote. That's like a minimal thing that you can do. You can most definitely parent your children. You can lead your spouse. You can have interaction with your spouse. Those are minimal things that you should allocate your time because we do need an answer. We need to be responsible citizens in our culture. But what else can you do? I don't do a lot, uh, honestly. As I said earlier, I didn't do anything for five decades. I've had a change of heart since then based on some of the things that I'm sharing with you now. But I don't, I don't do a lot, you know, at this point. We vote. Lucia and I have always voted. We typically make cookies or some other kind of snack and take it down and give it to the poll people, the folks who are working the polls on uh, whatever day we're voting for whatever cause that we're voting uh, on. But you can vote. You should most definitely be teaching your children a Christian worldview, which is tied, really tied to politics. You should be having these conversations with, it, with your friends. So how much time do you want to allocate? Now, some of you make and do a lot more, and some do. I praise God for Christians who get in politics, Christians who uh, take uh, more active roles in politics. And so what is your ability? What is your time? The third is calling. What is God calling you to do in the political space? Some Christians do choose to be electricians. And I praise God for all Christian electricians. And then there are others who do decide that they want to take a political career. And I do praise God for them. I would never, <laughs> I, would, I have no desire for political office. It is, it is chaotic. It is hostile, adversarial, life-threatening in some cases. Christians who who decide to get in politics, I praise God for them that they do that. I'm glad that they want to devote more time and more. they have more ability to do that, and they believe that God has called them to do that. Well, in a sense, I am no different from them. I communicate in a much lesser way, a much smaller way than Christians who get in politics, but praise God that they do. So whether you want to be an electrician, a plumber, or a politician, you make that decision and you do what you believe God is calling you to do. And if God's calling you to the political space, get in it and work hard at it. And then finally, number four, talking about ability, time, calling, influence. How much influence do you have regarding persuading others politically? I mentioned this earlier that Minimally, you should be persuading yourself about what you believe, about culture, religion, 
how to interact in your world because you can't get away from the politicalness of our culture. It's impossible. If you have children, you need to be teaching them. We teach our children a very specific worldview. We have regular conversations about that, more so now than ever before because our children are older and as they uh, have the ability to comprehend these big ideas and, and to discuss them, it's important because guess what? They're being taught politics at their school. And they will always be taught politics, whether it's through the television, the advertisement, the worldview, through the movies that they watch. If you're not out in front of this, if you're not engaging your children politically, you're making a huge mistake. And so how much influence do you have regarding persuading others politically? And then I want to talk about how to engage politically. I shared my reasons why I don't care to listen to Rush Limbaugh and some Christians who uh, talk about social, cultural, political things because of the attitude in which they communicate those things is condescending and in their own way they're just as hostile and adversarial as those who hate us and hate our position. How do you engage people politically? Well, you should do it the way Jesus did. Now, by the way, Jesus was a was a highly political person. His execution was political. And so Jesus engaged politics in his day, and he found himself always, he was always in an adversarial position to the political forces of his day. And so as you read about him in the Gospels, you can read how he interacted with with others. And so primarily, how do you engage politically? You engage like Jesus. If you want to know what that looks like with more specificity, I would encourage you to read Galatians 5, 22 through 23, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We should be emulating love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You could also use the template in 1 Corinthians 13, what we call the love chapter, And then another important one is that we must always keep in mind that our opponents, whomever our opponents may be, are made in the image of God. If you have an opportunity to make your world a better place to live out your Christ-like life, wouldn't it be wise to do what you can to accomplish this good outcome? How can you use your ability, your time, your calling, your influence. Would it be okay for you to sit passively on the sidelines while politicians create laws that keep you from sharing the gospel? Is it right for you to keep silent when the government tells you that you cannot teach your children about Jesus? No, there will be coming a day Will if you're not outspoken politically now, you will be outspoken politically in the future When the government comes to your home and tells you what you can and cannot do, and we're heading in that direction if if you're not aware, you do engage in politics every day of your life as politicians legislate for or against your Christian beliefs. And you do have an opinion. And you should share your perspective on how our country should live morally. If God can use you to slow down the cultural, political tsunami that has been overrunning us for decades, wouldn't it be wise to speak now?
You see, somewhere between building a theocracy where priests are running the government, which we don't believe, but somewhere between building a theocracy on earth and political passivity, those are the two extremes, there should be millions of Christians living in the middle of that, of those two, using the wisdom of God to create a better world as we exalt Christ without restriction. So many people will experience salvation. We have an easier time than we have ever had in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in our world. And whether you like it or not, the ease of that in large part is due to politics. And so if you still have a megaphone, if you still have a platform, and by the way, that megaphone is getting smaller and smaller, that platform is getting smaller and smaller as, as those who control the megaphone, like Google and YouTube and, and Facebook, are restricting what Christians can do out in the culture. But while we have a voice and while we have the ability, it seems wise to me. And so when the individual asks, why do you tweet things out on Twitter about politics? I do because I can. And... I'm not so much sad for myself, but I do think about my children as they continue to tighten the rope on what Christians can and cannot do using politics as, as the noose. I do think about my children that they will not have the freedoms that we have. And so I share what I can. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.